We are in we are in Genesis Genesis chapter 15 reading from verse 1. Genesis chapter 15 verse 1. After these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a villi- in a vision saying, "Do not fear Abram, I'm a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great." And Abram said, "O Lord God, what will you give me since I'm childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus?" And Abram said, "Since you have given and Abram said, "Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house shall be my heir." Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, "This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir." And he took him outside and said, "Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them." And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. He said, O Lord, how may I know that I will possess it? Okay, so let's, let's, start, read, let's start looking back here at verse 1 in chapter 15 of Genesis. It says, After these things... After what things? After the things of the war. Remember, Abram went to war in the last chapter. It was the only time we see Abram going to war. And he only went to war because his relative was taken by, by some foreign, foreign uh, uh, cities and uh, uh, attacked and, and took him away as a slave along with his family. And Abram went and recovered all. So after these things, we don't know what Abram's age is, but we know it's more than 75 because back, back in uh, uh, chapter, the end of chapter 11, the beginning of chapter 12, we know that Abram was 75 when he came into the land. We don't know how much time there was in all of chapter 12, all of chapter 13 and 14. But we also know that he's not 100. Because, because uh, Isaac is born when he's 100. And the promise that it was going to come through Sarah happened before that. And, and uh, so he's somewhere between 75 and 100, maybe 85, 90 years old, something in there. And it says, And the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So sometimes the word of the Lord can come in a dream, sometimes in a vision. Vision is when they're awake, and a dream is when they're asleep. So he's very much awake. And it says, And the word of the Lord. This is the first time this wording is used with Abram. The word of the Lord. Previously, it says, and the Lord spoke and the Lord said. And it says, and the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not fear Abram. This is the first time that he uses Abram's name. A name is significant. If you read uh, How to Make Friends and Influence People, there's a whole chapter on a person's name and how much a person values their name. And when you use their name with them, what it does to a person. And previously, for example, in, in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram. But he never used his name specifically when he spoke. In chapter 12, verse 7, it says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said. So again, God spoke to him. And then in chapter 13, verse 14, The Lord said to Abram. But here, it's different. This is the, first, the, the fourth appearance now of God to Abram that we have. The fourth appearance. So remember, if you think that God was appearing to Abram every day, he was not. 
This is over a period of, say, 15 years. God is appearing to him a fourth time. That's recorded in the Bible. So if you're like, you know, I haven't heard God speak to me. I mean, just give it time. I mean, and God will certainly speak to you through the Scripture. But this is a, an unusual sort of appearance. It says, the Lord, it, it says, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not fear Abram. He calls him by his name. This is becoming more and more personal. Over the years, over the decades, over these years that Abram knows God, God becomes to him more personal. God becomes to him more precious. The years knowing God, God becomes more personal. He says, I am a shield to you. Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. He's going to use these same sorts of words of being a shield. He's going to use these same things to Isaac and to Jacob. So all three patriarchs are going to be told the same word, do not fear. Now, why would he fear at this point? Remember, he just conquered four huge kings by attacking them at night after they had raided several lands and attacked and, 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 and uh, uh, taken Lot, his nephew, captive. He went and attacked them at night and devastated them. So, it, it, it's like if you... If you uh, if you attack somebody and, and, and when they're sleeping, uh, their family might come back at you. So he doesn't know if or when he's going to be attacked by these lands again. So God comes to him and says, do not fear Abram, speaking to him by name. This is significant because the title of what I want to speak to you about today is an old friend. God has become to Abram like an old friend. He says, do not fear Abram. He starts to address him. Abraham is called in the Bible multiple times the friend of God. Only one who's characterized this in all of the Bible. That Abram is the friend of God. God, Do not fear Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. He says, I have a great reward for you. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to buy a gift for an older person. But it's very hard to buy a gift for an older person. So, for example, there is nothing that I want, personally, there's nothing that I want that I can't already afford. And that's not because I have boatloads of money. It's because my wants are nano-sized. My wants are very small. I don't want much. And and I already, you you know, I have all the car that I want. I don't long for a McLaren. I don't know if you know what a McLaren is, but they start around $300,000. It's carbon-carbon composite, and it's about a millimeter off the ground. I don't want one of those. I want to be able to drive over a pebble without it scraping. And, and uh, I don't want to have to watch my car every time I park it to worry about you know, someone picking it up and walking away with it. I got all the car that I want. I got all the house that I want. There's nothing that I want that I can't already afford. And, and so it's hard to buy a present for an older person because... Older people in particular are usually just getting rid of things. They're offloading. They're not looking for new things to to bog them down. And so he says, God says to him, your reward shall be very great. And Abram says, oh Lord God, what will you give me? Since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. In other words, there's nothing that Abram wants. 
He can already afford everything that he wants. There's nothing that he's looking for. He says, but we see what's in his heart. What's in his heart is he's never had a child. And the heir, he says, is going to be Eleazar of Damascus. Hammurabi, Hammurabi says, uh, this, this old text says that if, if a man and a woman have no child, a child born in their home can become their heir. This is in keeping with the times. So Eleazar of Damascus. That means Eleazar was born to one of the people whom he had acquired back when he was up in Damascus. And Eleazar of Damascus actually becomes a very, grows up in his house, becomes a very trusted servant of, of, of Abram's. But he says, Eleazar of Damascus is going to be my heir. That's what he was really lacking. There was something there. He says, what are you going to give me? He says, and whatever you give me, it's not going to end up with an heir of mine other than a, a guy from Damascus. Well, God doesn't answer him. He asks this question, O Lord, what will you give me? And he, in verse 2, and there's no answer from the Lord. No answer. So Abram says again, and Abram said in verse 3, since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. In other words, he asked him a question in verse 2. There was no response. So, so Abram makes a declarative statement. Well, duh, Someone born in my house is going to be my heir. That's it. What are you going to give me? There's nothing here that I want other than this because I've never had a child. It says, Then behold, the word of the Lord. There it is again. The word of the Lord. This is the... In verse 1 was the... In verse 1 was the first time it came like this. The word of the Lord. We understand the power of the word. By the word of God, the worlds were made. We know that. Then behold, the word of the Lord came again. This whole thing of the word of the Lord, when God speaks, it has to happen. It has to happen. It's so powerful. It's very different than my word. It's very different than a person's word. A person's word may or may not come to pass. People say things all the time. Well, I'm going to do that. But what does that mean? It means you're probably not going to do that. You can bank on it. That usually means you'll never get it done. All right? But when God says that I'm going to do this, it's going to happen. This is His Word. Then behold, the Word of the Lord came to him. And He says, behold, because it's a big deal. Came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but, the one, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. God just defines it. Boom. He says, this man shall not be your heir. Boom, it is done. This Eleazar of Damascus will never be your heir. But one born in your house will be your heir. That's what he says. That one born of your own body will be your heir. That's what he says. And he had made some some promises before. So if you go in, in, in chapter 12, verse 7, it says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And actually, that's not a very good translation. It is to your seed, singular, not seeds. Abram is going to have several seeds. He's going to have several sons. But to your seed, one son in particular, to your seed, I will give this land. He, he said it again. He said uh, um, in verse 16 of chapter 13, chapter 13, verse 16, uh, 
I will make your, your seed, that the, the real translation there is, you can look in your footnote, that is seed, singular, I will make your seed as the dust of the earth. And so again, he speaks of the seed. He speaks of this seed coming from, from Abram. And here again, he now says, it's going to come from your, this seed is going to come from your own body, from your own body. Then he says in, 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 in verse, so, so he says it's going to come from you. And then look in verse five. This is huge what happens in verse five if you think about this. This shows the friendship that is here. This shows this old friend how God has become his friend. In verse five, and he took him outside and said, huh? How did he take him outside? What do you mean he took him outside? So God is speaking to him in Abram's tent. Remember, Abram doesn't have a house, he just has a tent. Now God is speaking to him, and he, it says, he took him outside. Well, how did he take him outside? doesn't tell us specifically, but God took him outside. God didn't just say, go outside. That's not taking somebody outside, that's commanding them outside. How do you take somebody outside? You grab them by the hand, and you pull them out, you pick them up, you carry them out. To take somebody outside, you see the friendship that is here. Look what's revealed to us. He took him outside. God takes Abram outside. You say, you got to see this. It was like, I'm chill. You know, I'm all right here. It's, come on, you got to see this. You got to see this. He wants him to enjoy something. So he takes him outside. It's not as if he is commanding him outside. He wants him to experience this. It's like when I talk to my son. I say, you, you, got, you got to see this video. You just got to watch it. Say, okay, Dad, I'll, I'll do it. Then, did you watch? No, I haven't watched it yet. The next week, did you watch? No, Dad, I didn't do it. I said, son, you got to watch this. You got to watch this video. Said, okay, okay, I'll do it. And the next day, did you watch? No, I didn't do it. Why, why am I urging him like this? If I tell you to watch a video, you don't watch it? Fine. You don't want it? Fine. Doesn't bother me. But this is my son. This is my son. I want him to see this. He is so precious to me. You see, when someone is really precious to you, you insist that they have to do this because you want their joy. You want them to have joy. He wants Abram to have this joy. He says, you got to see what I made out here. So it's probably a night where there was like zero moonlight. God, you know, probably brought like, like an eclipse or some sort of thing. That just, just zero moonlight. Nothing. But it's so dark outside. And he says, he says uh, now look toward the heavens and count the stars. Huh? Count the stars. If you're able to count them. I mean, that's what God says. Count the stars. God's just enjoying him. Go ahead, count the stars. Can you do that? Count the stars. Abram's like, try counting the stars. Try it. You'd be like, uh, did I count that one yet? I mean, it's hard to count the stars. That's, that's why, that's why uh, um, people who study the heavens, they take a picture. They circle this and that. 
That's the only way to do it. You can't do it just by looking at it. That's why he says, if you're able, if you're able, count the stars, if you're able. You know, so God is just sitting there like, God, I want to see you do this. Abram's trying and trying. You see how God is just enjoying Abram? Enjoying this relationship? He says, count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Go ahead, count the stars. So shall your descendants be. In, in chapter 13, in chapter 13, verse 6, it says, um, I'm sorry, chapter 13, verse 16, it says, I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So here he's talking about something that cannot be numbered. I'm going to make your descendants as the dust of the earth. Here he says, I'm going to make your descendants, or I'm going to make, if you look in that word descendants, if you look in your study Bible, if you have one, or if you look in the Young's literal translation, that is the word seed, not plural, but seed. I am going to, so shall your seed be. In other words, that seed, that particular seed, one that comes forth from you, is going to be so numerous that, that it's going to be like, like, like trying to count the stars. Before he said the dust of the earth, and here he said the stars. And, and, um, he's later going to say it's going to be as the sand of the seashore. Again, something that's innumerable. This is huge. He's saying that it's going to be, this is what your seed, one particular seed is going to be. Verse 6, then he believed in the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. He believed in the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. It's not that he just started believing in the Lord. He believed in the Lord way back in, 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 uh, uh, when, he, when he took him out of Haran. And he told him to go. He believed in the Lord then. But here there is this renewal of faith. He believed what the Lord was now telling him. He believed in the Lord and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. It is righteous to believe what God shares with us. This is a quiet confidence that Abram has. And God reminds him in verse 7, he says, I'm the one who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. I'm the one who brought you out. I've walked with you all this way, all the experiences you've been in, I've been with you. You know, I, I don't have a lot of friends. I don't. I don't have a lot of friends. I have a lot of acquaintances. I don't have a lot of friends. And that's not other people's fault. That's my own fault. I just, I just you know, love to sit in my office and, and do my chemistry. And so I don't have a lot of friends. And I know you guys have a lot of friends. I once walked up to my son. I said, I, I know so-and-so. He says his daughter is at Rice. Do you know her? Is she a friend of yours? He says, no, I don't know her. He says, oh, wait a minute. Let me check. And he checked on Facebook. He says, yeah, she's a friend. So, so your definition of friend is different than the older definition of friend. And, and, uh, but there are a few people that I have that are really good friends. So, for example, there's a man named Delmar Brosma, who's in his 80s. He was the pastor when I was in graduate school. He was the pastor of the church. He was also a professor at the university, a professor of entomology, insects but he was also the pastor of the church. And he loved God. And we used to get together and pray. We used to seek the Lord together. And when I get together with Dell, that's an old friend. Somebody that I used to spend hours and hours in prayer with. Somebody who had counseled me. Someone who directed me. That's a friend. That's an old friend. I know if, if, if Dell Brosma tells me something, it's going to happen. 
He will make it happen. Because he's, he's never been known to lie to me. He's always been gracious and kind and giving. This is an old friend to Abram. This is what it becomes like. You know, just, just this week I found my mother's Bible. And my mother's Bible was giving to, given to me. And, and uh, I spoke with my mother two weeks ago on Sunday. I always called them on Sunday. We, we were together with her in the beginning of January. Shuni and I went and visited her, and she was fine, and we were talking and everything. And when I was talking with her, my mother came to know the Lord at the age of 72. She came to know the Lord, and we had witnessed to her for many, many years. She had read the Bible, and then finally, the second time through reading the Bible, she came to know the Lord. You cannot read the New Testament twice. Sincerely read the New Testament, saying, Lord God, speak to me. If you're real, speak to me, without becoming a Christian. Sometime, either the first or the second time through, you become a Christian. Well, anyway, she became a Christian, and I, I found her Bible. She told me she bought the King James Bible in big print. And I remember when I, she first showed me this. I said, that's big print. Now, to me right now, that looks like good print. <laughs> the time it looked like big print. And she wrote in here, the week of June 10th, year 2000, I, accept, I accepted Jesus as my God and Savior in my life. Thank you, God. Um, thank you, God. I have come a long way. She marked that in Genesis. This book is filled, filled with her markings because she started reading the Bible in around... Uh, so I came to know the Lord in 1977. And she started reading the Bible to figure out what I was into right around 1979. She read the entire New Testament because I encouraged her to do that. After she read the New Testament... Now remember, she's coming from a Jewish background. I said, what did you think of that? She said, well, I don't blame him for killing Jesus after the things that he said. And you go, no, that's exactly what you should say. If you haven't been jaded by Christianity already, you think, who is this? She said, who is this young man to come and to criticize all these old teachers that have dedicated their lives to teaching people, these old rabbis? So I knew she had read the word sincerely. Then I said, why don't you read the Old Testament? So she read the entire Old Testament at my request. Very careful reader. And when she got done, I said, what did you think of that? She said, God warned us. God really warned us. That's amazing for a Jewish person to come out of that saying. And then years later, she started reading the Bible again. Well, I have in here, so she came to the Lord in the year 2000. And I have in here, she kept a record. This is amazing. I just found this this week. So, so this was early January. We had a great time with her. And when I was sitting with her in January, I said, Mom, they tell me that when... I've heard that sometimes when people are dying, they see Jesus. She looked at me. She said, Oh, I see Jesus. I said, You do? What does he look like? What does he wear? I said, she said, He's all dressed in white. I said, What is his face like? She said, It's very hard to describe. I said, What does he say? She said, He doesn't say much. He listens very well. He's very soft. I said, do you ever, I said, where, where does this happen? She says, sitting right here in my chair as I'm reading. I said, do you ever dream about Jesus? She says, oh, yes. I said, what does he say in your dream? She said, oh, that I can't tell you. Well, three days after we left our, her home, she became quite ill. 
and she was diagnosed, and they said cancer has filled her chest, and she never wanted, she's 88 years old, so she never wanted to get chemotherapy or have to deal with any of that, so she never had the scans. And uh, I spoke to her last week, uh, uh, no, two weeks ago, two weeks ago Sunday, because I always called my mom and dad on Sundays, and my dad is 90, and I spoke to her, and I said, uh, uh, Mom, you sound wonderful. And here she was in the hospital, and they were saying she wasn't going to live long. I said, you sound wonderful. She says, because I am wonderful. I said, do you have any pain? She says, no pain. No pain. I spoke to her last Sunday. No pain. Well, she went to go be with the Lord this week. And I got her Bible. My my sister and my brother were looking. My dad said to us, just take all of her stuff, whatever you want. Just take it. Distribute it to your children, whatever you need to do. Take, this is all I want. I said, all I want is her Bible. So you don't want, I, I don't want anything else. I just want her Bible. She recorded in her Bible, <clears throat> she first finished the Bible September 18th, 1982. She finished it first time through. Second time through, May 13th, 1984. Nine times she read this Bible. Nine times my mother read this Bible. How many times have you read the Bible from beginning to end? Tell me, Christian. Tell me. My mother read this whole thing from beginning to end. Nine times in her 18 years of knowing the Lord. And, and as I look through it, there's just notes everywhere. Everywhere. Every passage. Every page. Notes of what God was doing. Things that God was teaching her. And then when I came home, I pulled out the Bible. One of the Bibles from my father-in-law, who's 96 years old. My father-in-law is still alive, 96 years old. He only has a high school education. This is Shireen's dad. And, and uh, uh, because in his day, right after high school, boom, you went into the army. That was it. And so, in, this is in the Urdu language. Every page is covered with writings and text and circles. Every page. I mean, it's just, I can't understand any of it because it's all in Urdu. But it's just covered with it. And then some English up here and then just Urdu scribbling all over. There's other pages that he's had grafted in, that he's had bound into here. Just texts of small writing notes that, that he's learning. I mean, these are lives poured over these books. This is what builds relationship. It is not just, oh, I think I'll read a verse today. Okay, I'm done. Do you see the relationship that comes when God says, let me take you outside and show you something. I really care about you. I want you to learn something. This comes through decades and decades of walking with God. Decades of walking with God. My father-in-law, his mind is in and out sometimes. But when it comes to the Word of God, he loves it. He loves it. I sit with him and I, just over Christmas we were with him and I would do Bible study with him. He would just long for me to come over to his home. He lives with my, my, my sister-in-law. Come over and do Bible study with him. And he's forgotten something. So whatever I teach him from the Word of God, he's like, oh, wow. Because I'm sure at one point he knew that, but he's forgotten it. And it's just so precious. This is a life with God. What Abram had here in Genesis chapter 15, this is a relationship. This is an old friend. God is to him an old friend. This is what you can acquire by spending time daily with him. Spending time daily with him. And, and so I, I found, found these notes in here from my mother. I mean, it's written all over these writings. 
He said, she says, uh, January 1st, 2003, I will read the Bible every day, every day. Please let it be your will that I will not tarry long in Jesus' name. She didn't want to live long. She just wanted to be with the Lord. This is, she wrote this in 2003. Please let it be your will that I will not tarry long. She just wanted to be with Jesus. And here she lived with my father, who's a Jew who has been treated, has been taught, just like most Jews, to hate the name of Jesus. They are taught. It's not something that's natural. When I speak to a Chinese student, it is, this is a clean slate. They've never heard anything good or bad about Jesus. And it's very easy to tell them about Jesus. You speak to a Jew, as Jews from a young age, the rabbis were drilling into us things that were not good about Jesus. And, and, uh, but she was going to be baptized. She records this in here. I mean, just amazing. If you think that, oh, well, if, if you haven't been baptized, you really ought to be. If you say, well, it's embarrassing. Let me tell you something. This is a woman in 2002. So she's, she was 74 years old. She says, today I will be baptized in my home in Hilton Head. My sponsors, she mentions a couple names, are going to be here. This has been a difficult road for me. And, and, and I will have God's help the whole time. Eli, that's my husband, is at his poker game, and I'm on my own. And I'm giving, and, and I'm going to get baptized, and I'm going to give these men lunch who are going to be baptizing me. Thank you, God. I mean, she went out and she got baptized. Do you think that was easy? If you are ashamed of being baptized, shame, shame, shame be upon you. If you've not been baptized, I urge you to be baptized. What people have gone through historically, when it would cost them their very life to be baptized. And you think that, oh, well, I, I'm kind of embarrassed to get up in front of people. You say, how do you do it? Contact the church and go up in there and get baptized. If you've not been baptized, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to be baptized. People went through great things to be baptized. The things that they would write. She writes here in February 2006. February 17, 2006. This has been a very difficult time for me with the move. They had to move into another place. The only thing that is giving me peace is the Bible. I mean, just what a treasure. This is what I'm talking about. The life that you can have in Christ. As a believer, I urge you to read your Bible and make it your daily meditation. Learn to have a relationship with God that where He becomes an old friend. I read passages of Scripture and it just jumps out to me that I was a graduate student when I read that and what I was going through when I read that. And it's like my old friend, my Jesus, saw me through that situation, which at the time was so difficult for me. I remember the prayer of, 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 uh, uh, of Asa when he says, Behold, the battle between the strong and those who have no strength. There is this battle, but oh Lord God, help me, I pray. And I used to get down on my knees in my first year of graduate school in my room and I had the prayer of Asa stuck to the, the inside of my door there in my, in my graduate dorm room. And I used to pray that prayer of Asa each day because I thought, you know, I, I'm just not going to succeed in this, Lord. Could I really succeed? And I used to pray that prayer of Asa. So every time when I get to the Bible and I see that prayer of Asa, that's the prayer I used to pray every day as a graduate student in my room. My old friend Jesus, He brought me through. Jesus brought me through. This book, through this book, you can know God. You can know God. You can have a relationship with God where God calls you by name. And you say, well, God's, God calls me by name all the time. I'm talking about a depth here. 
without holiness, no one will see God, the scriptures say. If you're living in sin, you will not have this sort of relationship. You will not. Without holiness, no man will see God. This is a depth of relationship where people have poured their lives over these books. And this has been their treasure in the midst of struggle. Have this relationship. If you do not know the Lord, there is no way you can do this without having the Holy Spirit come upon you, without having salvation in Jesus Christ. I urge you this day. I urge you this day. I know where my mother is. It's just glorious. I mean, the whole family is just weeping. And I'm just happy because I know where she is. Even as she's going into the grave, I'm like, Mom, you're not here. You're already in the presence of Jesus. And you know my feeling? My feeling is a feeling of jealousy. That she's with my Lord and I am not. I'm still here on earth and she's in the full presence of God. That's the beauty of a relationship with God. That's what comes in knowing Christ. I urge you this day, come to know Him. Come to know Jesus. He has given His life for you. He has risen from the dead and you shall live also if you are found in Him. If not, there is everlasting destruction that awaits you. Everlasting destruction awaits you if you do not know Him. I urge you, take this book, make this book your daily meditation. Learn how to read it from beginning to end. You think, that's a strange way to read the Bible. Oh, really? What other book do you just look at a different page every day? You read it from beginning to end and say, Lord, speak to me where I'm at today. Speak to me. You go to Psalm 23 in my mother's Bible and it's like, I need to read this every day. I shall memorize this chapter and I shall recite it every day. I mean, that's what my mother writes in her Bible on Psalm 23, where she lived with a man that she tried to honor continuously, but was never excited about her faith. But she would sit at her table every day and make this word of God her meditation. And she saw Jesus. She saw Jesus. And she had zero pain. I mean, though cancer filled her chest. I mean, everybody who has cancer is in terrible... She said, I have no pain. I have no pain. Look what her old friend did for her. She said, I'm not going to let my servant suffer. No pain. So she lived for two months like this where her children visited her several times. She had her children, her grandchildren visiting her. She could speak to them, say goodbye to them, all the things. And then we got there on Tuesday Evening, Shereen and I got there, and on Wednesday afternoon, she went to be with the Lord. Just, he said, I'm going to wait till my servant comes and sees his mother. And then once I saw her, she was at peace, and, she, and, and uh, her children were around her, her husband was around her, and she just went, perfect peace, no pain. What I'm talking about is an old friend that comes in Jesus, and this comes through relationship and through the Word of God. Enjoy the Scriptures. Take the Word of God. Make it your daily meditation. Let's pray. Abba, Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Praise be to Your name for Your Word. Lord, I thank You that there are servants of Yours that have gone before us and witnessed and testified to us what it is to love this book, to love the Bible, to make this our daily meditation. When there's no other peace in the world, the Bible will bring peace into our lives. When there's no other relationship, you are the one who will see us through. You are the one who sees your servants through. Father, I pray for these young people that they would love the Word of God 
and make it their daily meditation. That they would love the Word of God. Make it their daily meditation, O Lord. Father, I pray that you call forth the ones who are here who do not know you. Father, that they are here, they must be among the elect, or else they wouldn't even be here. Father, I pray for those who do not know you, that they would pray this day, Lord Jesus, fill my heart. Lord Jesus, forgive me because I am a sinner. Forgive me because I am a sinner and come into my life this day. Save my soul in Jesus' name. And Father, for those here who, do know, who know you but are living in sin and shall never understand this closeness, Father, I pray that they would break from their sin, turn and repent this day. In the name of Jesus, amen.